Wednesday, July 7th, episode 99 of The Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. I was surprised that Giannis played. I was, but I wasn't. I knew he would play in the series. I thought they would hold him out game one because that would buy him, what, like over another 48 hours of kind of rest and rehab. And then I see him warming up. The game starts. No knee brace. Have you guys noticed that knee braces are a thing of the past? Players really don't wear knee braces anymore. Joel wears one. Rudy Gobert. There's a couple seven-footers, right? You see it. It's much more prevalent in women's basketball. But for whatever reason, today's sports science and NBA trainers, they, they'll tape the knee up with uh, KT tape, right? But they don't wear knee braces. And uh, I just thought that Giannis might want to wear one because what I'm worried about is the stability. You know, when, when, when you hyperextend a knee, I've done it a couple times, never as severe, severe knock on wood as Giannis where someone fell on it, but just off a bad plant. And what I've experienced is for a, a week or two, for a couple weeks, it tends to buckle again, not all the way, but you can feel it. If you plant hard on the hill, it kind of, uh, you could feel like, uh, it's not all the way stable, but I mean, obviously they cleared him to play and he was a go. He looked really good, right? Because I thought that he would be settling for more jumpers. Honestly, I thought it was going to play right into the Suns' hands because I'm like, all right, he's not going to be 100% and he's going to settle for more jumpers, kind of trying to protect that knee. Somehow, the injury almost has made him more aggressive as a driver, right? He wasn't playing around. He was just dropping the shoulder and getting to the front of the rim. And he played about as good as you could expect or ask for. Um, if you're a Bucks fan coming off that week off with the knee and, and just how healthy he looked, that chase down block was crazy. Probably not the greatest choice by him, right? Like I was like, oh, oh, like you, you remember what with AD, just, that, that's a dangerous play. And he just he just has no self-preservation. So the Bucks come out and they started off switching. <laughs> the irony in that. Bud never adjusts, right? He never adjusts. And he's finally facing a team where, in my eyes, I thought the drop coverage should work relatively well when you consider where Booker and Chris Paul like to pull up from. They like to kind of get deep and touch the paint for their pull-ups. It's not like they're going to just come pulling up, up off three. So I'm like, all right, the drop should work pretty good. No, 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 no. They're going to switch. Bud's going to make an adjustment. Look, man, it's clear. Bud has the gene pool of a peasant. Like, I really dislike him as a coach, man. Um, the other part of switching is when you do that, if you look, most teams, they go small. They take their big off the floor if they're going to switch everything, right? No, 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 no. He kept Brooke out there, right? He did. Ask Booker. He kept him out there. Late in the first quarter, the Sun's second unit, uh, Dario Sarge hurts himself. He, he power hops into the paint. And it looked like the right knee. He went right to the locker room. Didn't look great. It feels like someone gets hurt in game one of the finals every year. It really does. It feels like the intensity, the anxiety, the moment, the players, they're going so hard. It just feels like game one, someone always gets chipped up and it was Dario Sarge. Hey, maybe that will force Monty to play Cam Johnson more. Because the 21 minutes, the 20 minutes that Cam seems like he's locked into, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think that they can use him more because he had another nice game. Uh, but yeah, someone always gets chipped up. Later in the game, you saw Lopez get up under Chris Paul for that four-point play. He rolls his ankle. 
I thought it was Devin Booker that really set the tone actually for the Suns though with his mindset. What did he get to the line 10 times? He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. But I'll tell you what, back to that switching defense with Lopez out there, if you were to ask Devin Booker behind closed doors about that switching, I bet he'd just smile ear to ear, right? It was, like you could tell that's what the Suns wanted. They were like, oh, word, this is what you're doing? Like, oh, clear out. And then it, was, it was just easy for him. It was easy for him. So second half, they go back into their drop coverage. But it didn't work because they, they weren't doing it right. I said it before, Zubat was the model. If you watch that Clippers series before Zubat went down, he was doing it perfectly in forcing Chris Paul to get all the way to the rim. He was holding his ground at the nail, at the free throw line, understanding that's where Chris Paul wants to pull up. And you saw last night when they went into the drop, Lopez is just backpedaling, 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 up jumper, backpedaling, backpedaling, have another one. Chris Paul doesn't want to go all the way to the rim. Newsflash. And so that didn't work. And eventually, after the Chris Paul barrage in that third quarter, the Bucs finally went small and went back to switching. May have found a little something there with Bren Forbes, right? He gets going. Chris Middleton gets going. Rick Buecher pointed out something on Twitter after the game. He said, Middleton had the highest usage and minutes for the Bucs. Didn't shoot a single free throw. Point taken, point taken. And that's ultimately... Chris's problem, right? Because as hot as he can get, he just takes too many contested shots. He doesn't get anything easy. You have to get some easy ones, right? As a scorer, as a lead guy, and part of that is getting to the line. And because he's willing to take so many tough shots, he never gets to the line. But ultimately, man, I just thought it was a really bad look for Bud and the Bucks to come out switching from the jump. It just seemed yielding. And I, I understand, like, I've been critical of him not adjusting. That's fine. Adjust when you need to adjust. Don't come out and just adjust. What do they think? It was like surprise? Surprise, we're switching. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, it, I thought it was a bad strategy initially. If what you do in practice day in and day out isn't working, okay, adjust. Don't just adjust for, for the surprise factor. But listen, this thing is far from over. Chris Paul seems to be nursing both of his hands and now an ankle. Sarge looks like he's going to be out. Have you have you peeped Tory Craig? He isn't right. Things can change in a hurry. They can change in a hurry, but I think the question now is, how does Giannis feel today after the adrenaline has worn off? Because I don't think he's going to get stronger as the series goes on, right? It's not like he's, oh, he's healing even more. I don't think it's going to be that. You know, I just... Knock on wood that he doesn't re-aggravate it, but it, it's going to wear on him throughout the series. Like, this was probably the best version of Giannis we'll see throughout the series. So that's a problem. I also saw a post talking about giving James Jones credit for that Cam Johnson pick. Absolutely. I, I was Look, Cam Johnson, I think he was the oldest player in the lottery. A lot of teams, I think they red flagged his back. I can't remember if it was his back or one of his legs, but he wasn't clearing medicals from several teams. And then he was an old player and one dimensional, like all he could do was shoot. Right. So yeah, it, it looked like a suspect pick and yeah, he hit it out of the park. Super nice player. Right. But if we want to give him credit there, we've also got to talk about Jalen Smith over Tyrese Halliburton last year. Right. Cause I mean, <laughs> when Halliburton slid 
and the Suns were on the clock, I remember saying to myself, oh, fuck, man. Like, as a Warriors fan, like, you got to be kidding me. They're going to get Halliburton? That, to be fair, I didn't have Halliburton, like, in my top three or anything, right? Like, he's overachieved what I thought he would do initially as well. But at that point, it was like, oh, man. Like, once he, once it got past 10, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then he whiffed that one. So, yeah, I'll give him credit for Cam Johnson. But, boy, did he – could you imagine Halliburton on this team? Have you seen some of these rumors lately? And, you know, maybe they're not credible sources, but it seems like teams and agents are kind of just going crazy with the trade leaks right now. Just the rumors are swirling left and right. Some of them are just, they seem outrageous, right? But one that seems to have actual legs is De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons. Kind of be a fair deal, wouldn't it? I think my question is, why would Sack do it? What do they not like about De'Aaron Fox? Is it De'Aaron Fox just wants out of there? Maybe that's just it. He's he's tired of the dysfunction. I think I did recall his dad saying something about he he needs he wants his son out of there. So maybe it's that because at least Fox has taken steps. He's grown as a player, right? The jumper is somewhat coming along. So to me, I don't you know from Sack's perspective, it might just be them messing up another relationship, right? But then from the Sixers' perspective. Doesn't Fox want to play too fast as well? Like, he he wants to play 100 miles per hour. Joel, like, they need a guard that wants to play with pace and play in, like, pick and roll, slow down half court. So, you know, I think that it seems like fair value. You're getting fair value, but both teams, I think, would be left with the same problems, honestly. You think Ben's going to like Sacramento? Ben might slap Luke Walton. Is Luke Walton still their coach? Us for this Rachel Nichols drama? Look, she could disappear from TV. I wouldn't notice until someone brought it up. And now they've taken her off the finals. Look, I don't really have anything wrong with what she said. You know, the, the recorded audio of her fighting for the position and this and that. I didn't detect any lies. I think it was a, a fine perspective. But I'm still going to take this opportunity to say she's whack. And her corny ass monologues are the reason why I can never watch the jump. Now they're saying she was down in the bubble eating players booty like groceries. Jimmy buckets. Jimmy, 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 you dirty dog. Jimmy seems like the type that only likes fives and below. Makes him feel handsome. <laughs> no, nah, man, but I'll, I'll keep it a buck with you. Look, she brings nothing to the table. Maria Taylor can run circles around her. And so never mind the affirmative action bullshit. The talent should win out. The talent should win out. And it kind of seems like there's kind of a little revolution going on here uh, as far as sports media and, and these major outlets. And I'm here for it, man. The homie Amin, I guess he got on some pod and was talking about Woj and his bullshit at ESPN. He said, quote, he steps on a lot of people over there. When you see a byline that says reported by Andrew Wojanowski, fill in the blank. That's the old, yeah, put my name on it and put it out there. Essentially, he's saying, you know, like Woj takes credit for a lot of stuff that aren't really his sources because he doesn't have a rapport with the players like a lot of the black people do around ESPN. And so, yeah, it, it looks like the, the, there's kind of a line being drawn here. And so I'm interested to see how it plays out, especially me being just a uh, 
you know, a freelance dude that does this stuff. I'm here for it, man. Let the talent rise. I'm tired of this. I also, it was also brought to my attention. I believe it was from Jalen Rose's daughter. Go look up her, her little video on the social media. Rachel Nichols is related to Diane Sawyer. And like, look, there's all sorts of funky nepotism going on at, at ESPN. So cry me a river. Just let the talent be out there. Like if you haven't played the sport, you don't have a good take. You're not good looking and you have an annoying voice. Why are you there? Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up, man. There's what else do we got here? Just, you know, as the season, I, I, we're going to get into the draft and the prospect stuff here. I, I released my first prospect video, my first scouting report of this year's draft class yesterday on Patreon, Scotty Barnes. Very interesting prospect. I'll, I'll give you a little, a little tidbit. The thing with Scotty that's intriguing is, let's say he was playing in that finals last night. Presumably, you could put him on Devin Booker. Second half, you could put him on Aiden. He has that type of versatility defensively. If you want to go check out the full scouting report again, it's on my Patreon now. I'm going to start to roll these out as we get into the draft. I got this finals has got to get done though. I need I need the time, man. Real quick, did y'all see another player has launched a shoe? Langston Galloway. I think it's dope, man. I, I like these players doing that. It was remember Dinwiddie has his shoe. The the one thing I don't know about is why Langston shoe, the logo, it looks like a dookie emoji. But hey, hey, you got to iron these type of things out here, right? This is the Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.